Hi there guys and welcome to today's live stream. We're going to be talking all about hip pain and how you can help distinguish true hip joint pain from lower back pain that's giving you pain in the hip. So hopefully if you're watching this and you're not sure whether it's actually a hip joint or something else, then stay tuned for this video because we're going to explain it all and how you can understand that and then how you can fix it as well towards the back end of the video. And as always, we'll be doing our live Q&A at the end of today's live stream. Before we get into that, make sure if you're new to the channel and you find these videos helpful, then do please consider subscribing to the channel, hitting the notification bell so you don't miss these live streams every day when we go live in the week. Uh, and also, if you feel that these live streams would help other people that you know, maybe suffering with back pain, neck pain, or other issues around that topic, then make sure you to share it with them so they can tune in and benefit from uh, the live streams and hopefully we can help them with their back pain too. So with that out of the way, let's get into today's live stream. So uh, I've got on the side of me over here uh, what we're going to talk about today because hip pain is generally something that even patients coming in to see us will, will call the, the sort of this region down here the actual hip, um, but it's not technically a hip problem. It's just the pain in that hip region. So the difference between uh, the, the lay term, layperson's term, hip pain and the actual anatomical hip pain is quite important. Um, and therefore also if you're a patient, uh, and, and and you're going and saying, I've got hip pain, but then they start talking about the lower back, perhaps it can be very confusing. So hopefully we'll be able to dispel a little bit of that so you guys have a better understanding of exactly what's going on. We're going to talk about how, uh, hip joint pain, um, how to identify it, and then the difference between buttock pain, uh, which often people refer to as pain in the hip, uh, where the glutes are, the, the, the buttocks. Um, how to identify this as well, how you can sort of almost differentially diagnose the issue uh, yourself. We'll talk a little bit about arthritis, hip arthritis, and then uh, finish it up with what you can do to help. And as always, we'll have uh, those question and answers in the back end of today's live stream. So what I thought I'd do is start off with uh, the actual hip joint itself. And again, if you've got any questions as we're going through this, put those in the comments. Lara's the other side of the computer so she can see those and we'll go through those at the back end. Now, the hip, quite often people sort of talk about this area. This is obviously the spine from the front. Uh, obviously, we've got our belly button about here. These bony bits, you'll be able to feel those on the front, probably where your trousers or, or waistband is sitting. You can feel those. And then on the side of our leg, we can actually feel this bit here. So the hip is actually in quite a bit. If you imagine you've got your pubic bone here, which everyone can feel on the front, and then this bone here, we come, we, we connect those two points and slap bang in the middle is gonna be our true hip, uh, hip joint. Now, the main issues you're gonna get down in the hip, I won't go into sort of other things like labral tears, etc., because I think that'll go down a rabbit hole. But fundamentally, any strain of the hip joint itself is commonly going to give you pain in the groin. So right in this region here, now, there are some referral patterns whereby the hip pain can come down and it can travel and refer pain down to the knee. This is going to be on the front of your knee. There are some variations in terms of where exactly in the knee this is going to be, but it can refer pain down to, to the knee. But the most common cause for a lot of you guys watching this is going to be a degree of wear and tear occurring in the hip. And that's what I really wanted to talk about in today's live stream, because we want you to be able to fix this. It's an issue that affects a lot of people. We get wear and tear as we get older through those hips. So we want to make sure that we understand how to identify, is it the hip or is it the back? And then what we can do to help that. 
So one of the common things with hip pain is you're going to start to lose extension. That is, if we're standing upside on, is this backward bending movement. And take a moment to think, you might be watching this on, on the live stream and you're sat down. Think about how much during the day your lower leg actually goes behind you into a position of extension. It's very infrequent. And in people that are getting degenerative change in the hip, this is often the first movement that gets lost, primarily because it's just not done on a daily basis. You go from sitting to standing to sitting again. And most of the movement is taking place in this range here. We're never going back to here. Now, there's a number of reasons for that, um, one of which is habit, but also if you're getting a bit of wear and tear down here, this is the first movement to go because it jams the hip into the socket. And that is correct. It provides stability. Um, but if we've got a little bit of wear and tear, we tend to avoid that extension. Now, a couple of live streams ago, I used the whiteboard here to demonstrate a uh, sort of what happens when it comes to hip wear and tear in so much as we've got our hip joint with a range of motion, for example, here. And this is just for, for illustrative purposes. Uh, and if we actually say we come back to here, so this is going to be backward bending and this is all the forward bending we can do. So there is less backward bending in a normal hip joint anyway. Uh, it's not, we don't need to get, go 90 degrees backwards, but we do forwards. Um, so what commonly happens is people will stop using this range. So they go standing, sitting, and everything in between, and they stop using this range. So now what happens is with our hips, we need to take it through its fullest ranges of motion on a daily basis so that you can effectively get uh, bathing of the synovial fluid around this hip joint. So all of the surfaces come into contact with the, with the other side, so to speak, so that they can get the appropriate nutrition that they require. But what happens is a lot of people, and, and pay, take stock of this if this is you, you think maybe you're not going through the full range of motion on a daily basis, you stop using this range. And when we stop using that range over many, many years, you start to get degenerative change in this region. Okay, and that's not the hip joint. I'm just talking about the range of mobility. So for you in the hip, that's going to be the joint surfaces that touch when we go backwards into extension start to get a little bit uh, disused. They don't uh, clean themselves out as well as they should do. So this range of motion starts to become painful. So we stop doing it. And when we're walking, we start to lean forwards a little bit. We don't stand quite as up straight as we should do and to avoid reaching this painful range of motion here. And if you're watching this, you may have noticed this yourself, and you'll know if you're part of our Back in Shape membership site, that's, that's this sort of stooping is not going to be helpful for your lower back, which is why these issues so commonly co-occur, the degenerative, degenerative change in the hip, and then the lower back at the same time, or one co followed closely by the other. So we stop standing up as straight, and we stop moving that hip back as far. And then, this range starts to become degenerative. So we again stop moving as far back again and so on. You can see how this over a period of time, and this is often many years, it doesn't become known in many cases until it gets a little bit further on in terms of the progression and degeneration. But it starts very early on uh, in terms of losing this range. We just don't know about it. We just don't go into those ranges. So just jumping ahead with our back in shape exercise, you'll notice that some of those stretches involve directly moving the hip back into this range, which I'll get onto a little bit more later on. But that's how the, your hip becomes degenerated. And where are you going to commonly feel that pain? It's going to be in the groin, as I mentioned earlier. So we want to look at that. Is moving that hip backwards into extension all the way back here, is that eliciting a little bit of hip pain, pain on the front of the hip? 
or is it that the pain is in a different area? And these sorts of things can help you identify. Now, I want to be able, we want you to be able to identify hip from back pain. So we've explained a little bit on how to identify the hip pain itself because it commonly is that backward bending of the leg that actually starts to give you that hip pain. But also try and experiment with that whilst not moving your lumbar spine. Because a lot of people, when they start to talk about hip pain, they're saying, oh, my hip hurts, and they actually mean this area here. My hip hurts, but they're moving the lower back and the hip at the same time, and therefore it's diagnostically useless because you're not actually uh, isolating one joint. And we talk about this a lot again in the back in shape uh, to, to try and help you guys. When you're stretching your joints, you want to stretch the, that joint and not involve other areas like the back when we're talking about the hips. So the hip buttock pain in a lot of cases is going to be really, if you're getting pain over this region here, anyway, I've come around to the side a little bit as well, that's going to be coming from your lower back in the overwhelming majority of cases. There's degenerative change here, and that is spreading over to and giving referral pain. And also the glutes in this region, as we've mentioned time and time again, are controlled by the little nerves that come out the bottom section here. So we're going to get a bit of hip pain here, which is not true hip pain. We want to call that buttock pain instead. And if you're ever talking to your practitioner about this, refer to the two slightly differently. I'm getting groin or hip pain, and then I'm getting buttock pain because those two things, it allows the practitioner, if it's a phone call or if it's, if it's in person, to better understand what diagnostic tests to go through to really hone in on what exactly the problem is. So that's very important. So if you're getting pain in the buttock, think of it more about your lower back. And if you're getting pain on the front region, it's more likely to be your hip. And then we can also look at particular movements. If we're bending forwards with the lower back or backwards with the lower back and the hip is not involved, maybe you do it sat down, backwards and forwards, left and right, and you're starting to get that pain in the hip region, and by hip I mean buttock, then we want to think, okay, it's maybe it's coming from the lower back. But if we're very, very still and we're just wiggling our leg around, you can't see me doing this, but I'm doing it under the table, my back's not really moving, and we're getting pain, especially on the front of the hip, it's more likely to be a hip issue. So that's pretty much that from a diagnostic point of view. Hopefully that gives you guys a better understanding of two areas, because that is the most common sort of... Um, error that people have they don't really understand that actually you're calling it your hip but it's the buttock and it's coming from the lower back so that's pretty much what i wanted to talk about there now what can you do to help this issue well it's actually when we're talking about the stuff that we do in the basic back in shape membership site and pulled on through the premium if you're doing any of those you're actually helping this issue anyway We've got the hip flexibility stretching. And there's two, two real issues here. We wanna, we wanna improve the flexibility of these hips because as the hip joint, and I'm talking now about actual hip joint degeneration, we're not talking about the lower back here. Um, if, as we get hip joint degeneration, you've basically got ball. You've got a ball and socket joint, as you guys saw on the model. But the ball is here and the socket is here. And as you've grown up, gone through puberty, and you've reached your adulthood, we've got a gap here, and there's cartilage this side, cartilage this side, and this distance is fixed, okay? It's the same. And when we get the degenerative process, which is why I mentioned arthritis in the outset of this, this gap starts to change. And you'll know this if you look at uh, teenagers, for example, if they go through a particularly rapid growth spurt, they start to get a little bit wobbly on their feet, a little bit clumsy. We all know someone um, invariably at school or, or, or friends, children, etc., that go through these phases where they're kind of a little bit more clumsy because the brain hasn't caught up with 
what's what it's controlling it thinks that certain limbs of certain length and they're not they're a little bit longer so there's that clumsiness to it well in this scenario your body may have for the last 20 or 30 years assumed that this distance i'm plucking this out of air was a centimeter and now it's 0.75 of a centimeter but all those muscles are used to one centimeter so the joint starts to get in a bit of trouble so what do we need to help that we need plasticity we need flexibility we need those muscles to be pliable so they can adapt to this change, which will um, invariably have a little bit of discomfort along the way. But that's why we're doing hip-related stretches in all ranges. You might want to focus a little bit more on the backward bending, so the hip flexor stretches to a degree. But generally, focusing on a more well-rounded stretching approach is important. Now, that is sometimes done by patients, which is great. But I want to make sure you don't leave out the strengthening component. Because if we've got changing architecture, changing anatomy, we, what, what is going to help you protect that? Stronger muscles. So as we're doing that flexibility work, we want to make sure that our hip muscles and, and the muscles that control our legs are strong and stable. So we've got core work that provides stability above the hip joint. And that, again, is in the back and shape our membership site. So you're already doing this. If you're, part of, if you're a part of the membership, then you're already doing these things anyway. It's just you didn't know that there were these additional benefits to them. And then we're also doing exercises like the squats. You'll notice on the instructional videos that we do, you go to a range that is comfortable for you to do an effective squat. If your flexibility isn't quite there, you won't be able to go as deep. But over time, you can start going a little bit deeper with your squats and the other exercises like the lunges that we get you doing later on, we can get a little bit more range of motion through that hip joint so that you can strengthen it up in lots of different ranges so that we can regularly move the hip through a full range and maintain strength. Now, depending on your personal age, there will be a, a artificial limit as to how far you can maybe take this, and that's okay. But I, will pay, I would like you to go away after this video and have a think if you're watching this in real time, have a think about how often am I moving my hip through a range of motion? Because I think a lot of you guys, if you're, if you're out gardening or if you're in the house or if you're walking around, your hip joint is probably spending most of its time somewhere between here and here. When you've got a full range of, hopefully it shouldn't do that. That would be quite bad. But we've got a full range of motion. That's very decompressed hip joint. Let's use the other one. Uh, so you shouldn't stretch that much, by the way. If you're stretching that much, then you've maybe got a problem. Um, so we've got a full range of motion that we should be using, but how much of the day are you spending just using a very small range? Well, that's not going to provide that hip joint with the appropriate, um, appropriate range of motion to keep it healthy. So we want you guys to improve the flexibility of the hip and then strengthen it up in the appropriate ranges. So sorry about that one. We've got a FEMA here now. I'll sort that out later. Uh, but that's pretty much it. Um, I'll just do a little recap for you guys, especially if you come into this a little bit late. Um, first thing, hip joint pain. It's going to be to find it. I've now lost this hip, but never mind. We're going somewhere between here and here. This is the pubic bone. Just follow your belly button down. You hit the bony bit. That's going to be right here, pubic symphysis. You've got this little bony bit, which is on the side, probably about where your trousers are. Come halfway between the two, and we've got the hip joint. Obviously, we've got no hip here today, but anyway, uh, and there's the hip joint. So the in the front of this region is where you're likely to get true hip joint pain. Then we've got around the back, we've got the buttocks area, which is commonly also referred by patients to as the hip. And that is, is, is more likely to be coming from the lower back in this case. 
if we've got arthritis, we tend to lose that backward bending, that extension movement first, main, for a number of reasons that we covered. And we want to try and avoid losing that and keeping those hips nice and healthy. As those hips get more degenerative, they lose range of motion. So we want to keep those hips flexible in all ranges. And we also want to keep the back strong because if the back strong and the hips are strong, then you're going to do a lot better. Work on flexibility and uh, providing support and strength through those muscles. And with that, we'll go into Q&A. Okay, brilliant. I'm going to jump straight to uh, YouTube. Uh, Rook asked, yesterday I fell down from my chair and it hurt my hip. It is still hurting today. What can I do to reduce the pain? So again, um, that, is a, that is a really classic example of referring to maybe the hip in a slight inaccurate way. So I definitely, if you joined maybe a little bit later, go back and watch the first half of this video afterwards because we actually refer to that. Because that, that, that is a classic example. Now what's probably happened, and I could be wrong here, or it's, it's highly unlikely that you fell on your front and your hip went back into extension. What's more common is that you fell backwards and banged your back and now this bit is sore and you're referring to hip pain here. Well, if that's the case, it's highly likely that it's coming from your lower back. There is a chance if you just completely fell and hit the ground that you've smashed this part and depending on your age, we might be a little bit more vulnerable in this region. If you cannot put pressure on your leg, then there are some additional diagnostic tests. You need to take, pay close attention to that, see how it changes over the next couple of days. But do some of the gentle phase one back in shape exercises with ice on your lower back as is instructed. Treat that as a lower back problem for the next 24 hours or so. If, if you cannot put pressure on that one leg, then you need to consider, depending on your age and your fragility, you need to consider just giving your GP a call and just say, hey, look, I've fallen onto my hip and I can't walk as well as I should. I'm in a lot of pain just to double check. But generally for the average person who's not got osteoporosis or anything like that, you've injured your back do the back work and, and, and you will recover nicely. Um, and, and that pain in the what I would call the buttock rather than the hip uh, is going to subside reasonably swiftly. And then we need to build up the strength and stability because if we're falling over, there's not going to be that proprioception there to allow the, the, the hips to be nice and strong and reactive. So we need to go through a slow and gentle rehabilitation process to get that back in order. Could it also be the muscles yeah, yeah, you've had a blunt force trauma. I mean, you've just gone bang, and that's also going to create a little bit of, infl of, of irritation. But I'm, I'm, I'm in that particular scenario, if you've fallen over getting into a chair, then I'm also assuming there's going to be some weakness because in, in terms of the core muscles, which means it's likely that the back probably wasn't protected when we've fallen over, and that's probably going to have been injured as well to a degree. So we'll have some blunt trauma to the actual impact zone, and then we'll also have a little bit of sort of whiplashy type symptoms in the lower back just judging by the, the the lack of stability that is likely to be there if we've fallen over getting into a chair and that's that's a bit of a leap i obviously haven't we haven't seen you in clinic um but that sort of thing i definitely pay attention to your lower back because if you deal with it effectively over the next couple of days and week and then start rehabilitating you will be fine if it's dealt with badly, it can really linger. And that's when issues, the patients come in and they say, I fell over like six months ago and I haven't, and you know, and I, I thought I was doing lots of the right things. I did my knee hugs and everything and I'm worse. And obviously if you've watched any of our videos, you know not to do knee hugs. So, yeah. Okay, great. Uh, still on YouTube, Mustafa has asked, can massage help joints? Uh, can massage help joints? Uh, so we have we're actually going to be doing a video sometime soon on massage stroke myofascial release 
Uh, that was from uh, one of the members in the Back in Shape membership site. So I'm going to take, take a slight tangent on this one in particular. Can massage help you if you've got is it degenerate joints? Um, just help joints. Help joints. Um, yes, to a degree, because if there's spasticity in the muscles and they're tight and they're rigid, then a little bit of gentle massage can help those move a little bit better. But it needs to be done in conjunction with other things. And also we want to be mindful for a number of reasons with getting too much aggressive massage done because that can create issues. If you're not a generally healthy and well person and there's chronic muscle issues, then we need to address those chronic muscle issues. And sometimes massage can create a little bit more trouble in the short term than uh, is necessary. So a little bit more of a complicated issue, but massage can be helpful for a lot of people. Um, but when you've got more explicit back pain, I think it's sometimes worth addressing the causes uh, before just jumping into massage. Okay, I'm going to jump over to Facebook. Carol has asked, you mentioned labral tear. That's what my MRI showed that I have, uh, but I've not been told what I should or shouldn't be doing. Do you have a video or any tips? I get a burning pain in my groin hip area. Yeah, um, yeah. So, so labral tears are, are a little bit difficult. What essentially you've got is to, to make that... Oh, that's good that the hip fell out here. Um, to make this a little bit deeper, we have a ring of cartilage around the side here. And if there's any sort of trauma in a lot of cases or some degenerative process, then you can sometimes get a labral tear. Now, the thing with labral tears is they're a little bit difficult to resolve. Um, a lot, a lot in, yeah, and it, because it's cartilage, it's not got a good blood supply. Um, what the general advice will normally be is go through some normal hip rehabilitation work. So the gentle stretching gently especially things like the hip flexor stretch we don't want to be too aggressive the reason being some of the hip muscles um, actually attach onto the front of the hip joint over here and could potentially irritate that labral tear if you do them too aggressively but some gentle um, stretching work around those hips like what we recommend in the in the back and shape membership site um, will be helpful alongside some conservative strengthening. So when we're doing things like the squats to start with, we're being very cautious, maybe using the door frame for support to start with and building up the strength and protection for that cartilage. And that way, what you'll find is that uh, similar to meniscus issues in the knee, as long as you're sensible and you build up the strength around that area, you can manage quite well um, without it. But if you've got weakness, ineffective muscles that aren't protecting that joint, then you're more likely to irritate the labral tear further. So something like that, would swimming also be your best form of cardio? Um, swimming would be a low impact form of cardio, so it wouldn't be a bad idea for yeah. that particular issue because it might allow you to move the hip more freely through that range of motion without load bearing. But ultimately, we live in a load bearing society. Uh, our life spent is most, mostly load bearing, so it's better to take a longer view, slowly build up the flexibility and in that hip, and do not neglect the strengthening side of things because that's what will keep you protected for the long term. Um, label tests can be a little bit irritating, but they're, they're perfectly acceptable to get past. It's just that you'll always have this little weak range of motion where if you catch it just wrong, it'll, it'll be, be a bit uncomfortable. Very interesting. Okay, uh, moving on. Uh, Ollie has asked, is sitting cross-legged a bad habit? Um, I, I don't know that sitting, sitting cross-legged is necessarily that bad for the hip per se. Um, but what I would say is a lot of people do not have the flexibility to sit cross-legged for their lower back. And therefore, when they do sit on the floor cross-legged, their lumbar spine is rounded uh, tremendously. And obviously, if you've watched any of our last 51 live streams, you'll know that that is not a good idea. Okay. Um, Joe has asked, uh, does walking provide enough 
Um, so walking is definitely worthwhile doing. Uh, it's it's going to provide a little bit of hip extension, providing you're walking with a nice, good, upright posture. Um, but I'd, I'd spend that time doing those complete hip stretches and, 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 and going through that properly rather than just relying on walking. We are finding quite a lot of people relying just on walking for fitness and rehab. Um, I've even had a few people on, on the telephone um, talking about, oh, I, I did my had my injury or whatever and they just said do walking because it'll keep you it'll be a rehab walking is not rehab for anyone or any condition walking is appropriate to keep you moving and mobile but it is not rehabilitating anything uh, at all um, so it may be a step in rehabilitation to get you walking but do not use walking as your primary method of rehabilitation please because it is severely lacking Okay, uh, Karen has asked, are there any activities we might do during the day or sports that would degenerate that hip further if there's already a problem there? Yes, yeah, so if, there's, if there's already an issue there in the hips, um, anything that's ridiculously high impact, leaping, bounding exercises are going to be problematic. Um, when it comes to things like running and those sorts of things, road running, they can be aggravating, but I think if you are... If you've been doing it for many, many years and you're stretching effectively afterwards, then I think there's uh, scope to say that's that's perfectly okay. It's the really extreme leaping and bounding exercises, those home workouts that many people will have seen at the moment, where it's lots of jumping and, and this, that and the other, which will really bother the hip or is more likely to bother the hip. But again, our bodies are very, very strong. As long as we look after them, a lot of this degenerative change comes from not looking after those those joints over an extended period of time rather than overusing them. And there's obviously a few accidents in, in there as well. Um, but if we look after our body, it can do very, very well. It's just that a lot of us don't know. It's, it's a complicated piece of equipment and a lot of people aren't, um, aren't taught how to look after it properly. Maybe it's something that should be taught in schools. Brilliant. I think that's all the questions for today. That was great. Awesome. Well, I hope you guys found today's live streams a little bit different, uh, but I hope you found it useful. Again, if you do find these live streams useful, please do consider subscribing to the YouTube channel. Hit the notification bell so you know when we're going live next. Obviously, they're every weekday. And if you're part of our Back in Shape membership site, then you'll check the Facebook group if you're in the premium because we are posting the week's lives on the Sunday night so you guys know exactly what we're going to be talking about and do consider sharing this if you know someone else that's struggling with their back pain maybe they can get on here and ask a question and get some of the right guidance so they stop making their back pain worse but with that have a great day we'll see you tomorrow with another live stream